Welcome to Covenant 9 of Establish 101. Yesterday I was recording and uh, it, it kicked off just after our review was complete. So I'll just do a, a quick review of our older lessons related to this lesson and then um, do the lesson but in the absence of, of uh, the participants. So welcome here. Um, hope you guys had time to digest last week's lesson and mull it over and, and continue to stand on the truths there. Um, there's a lot of ground being covered from last week's lesson, uh, wandering and uh, they're wandering in the desert and, and going to Canaan and wandering again, uh, as well as kings uh, who started to come in, uh, Saul and David. Some of the key things that I want to uh, bring forward fresh in our minds again, as these are um, critical as we go forward, is God's promise of a deliverer to Adam and Eve, which first began back in Genesis 3.15, that um, the deliverer would crush the head of Satan, as well as God's promise to Abraham and the image of a substitute. Uh, you remember the story when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, but God provided a ram in place of, of Isaac. Um, so this was of the substitute. Uh, and then we had the tabernacle that Moses uh, on Mount Sinai was told how to construct, uh, what it would be made of, this, this tent, this meeting place where this, um, God would dwell above the Ark of the Covenant. So once a tabernacle was set up, there was the, the sacrificial system, the sacrificial lamb image, where uh, you remember the image of, of a person placing their hand on the head of a of a substitute sacrificial lamb, which uh, in a sense imputed or, or transferred sin uh, acknowledgement by faith to the animal instead of the person. And so then they uh, had a covering, the human had a covering over them, just like Adam and Eve, their covering of fig leaves was rejected, but the covering that God provided, which was animal skins, was an acceptable covering. And within the tabernacle and sacrificial system, um, we learned of the Day of Atonement as well, which um, would happen once a year. The priests would go in who were a mediator or a go-between uh, between God and the people. And they would uh, sacrifice another animal or animals to, um, for the people. So that would be the time that we talk about the word atonement being at one with God. So the tabernacle, the sacrificial lamb, the priests, and then other images of the deliverer we've seen. So we talked of the substitute ram for Isaac, uh, the sacrifice, the lamb that, that was a spotless lamb to take away um, the sins uh, of the people during the time of the tabernacle in the desert and onwards. And then last lesson we hit on um, the eternal king. The people wanted a king, um, a human king, but uh, we were told that king, in the line of King David, there would be an eternal king. So that's just some key things going forward. So last lesson, uh, just to jog in memories, we, we taught on the spies, the 12 spies, which represented each of the 12 tribes of Israel, went to check out Canaan. Um, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones who uh, continued to remain uh, faithful to what God had said to go in and take it. But the rest, the other 10, uh, rebelled and, and said, we couldn't overtake it. We're like grasshoppers to them. So as a result of their disbelief, God caused them to wander in the desert for another 40 years. Moses disobeyed when God asked, or when the people asked for water, and God said to speak and the water would come out of a rock. Moses instead struck the rock twice as well as speaking, 
Um, I don't know if that was a sign of pride or wanting to ha have a bit of glory uh, from God in that. Um, but God punished him, saying that he wouldn't enter the promised land as a result. The people grumbled um, as they wandered, and God sent fiery serpents uh, as judgment on their, um, on their rebellious, sinful hearts. Uh, and then people were dying fr from these being bit by these serpents. So God, again, told Moses to uh, create a, a bronze snake on a pole and to lift it up. And anyone who looked at that snake after being bitten would be healed. Um, so there's a lot of foreshadowing in, in that imagery there. Key truths as we go forward. The hook from last week was God is faithful to his promise and his people, even when they are rebellious. God punishes and provides as he ensures that his promises are met. Uh, we continue over and over. We just see cycles of rebellion of the people. And, and even today with ourselves, cycles of rebellion. And then the, the idea of a human king versus an eternal king. So continuing on here, today's lesson, we'll see how well a human king worked out for Israel as a nation. If you've been seeing Israel's cycle of faithfulness towards God or lack thereof, you can guess with accuracy that things didn't go well for very long. The cycles of rebellion continued. There were consequences. Um, through prophets that God sent, God encouraged and challenged the people to call them back to himself. And through these cycles of rebellion, including the prophets now that pointed them back to God, God reminds Israel of their deliverer the one who would offer true freedom from their rebellious hearts, which is what was causing the cycles of rebellion and punishment. The foundational truth hook for today that I want you guys to uh, walk away with is that the deliverer will be God himself. So remember, God dwelt among the Israelites in the tabernacle, providing the sacrificial system which allowed for the atonement of sins. And the priests were the mediators between him and the people. During King David's rule, he had a desire to build a permanent dwelling place for God, a temple. After King David died, his son Solomon succeeded him on the throne, and it was Solomon who built God's new dwelling place in a beautiful temple on their, in their capital city of Jerusalem. Um, the temple was built like the tabernacle in that its blueprint and furnishings, such as the bronze altar and burnt offering uh, for the burnt offerings, was uh, the same as the tabernacle in the desert. There were the same two rooms inside, one of which was the most holy place where God dwelt above the Ark of the Covenant, which had Aaron's stick that budded, the Ten Commandments, and the manna. It was there that the high priest went in once a year to make atonement for the people. Um, the temple becomes an important part of the Deliverer's story in future lessons. So King Solomon too, he eventually died. It didn't take long after that for the nation of Israel to rebel against God. Surprise, surprise. There were some good kings then. There was some bad kings, um, actually more bad kings than good kings, uh, who defied God, uh, leading the people away. Eventually the nation of Israel split into two, two kingdoms. Uh, there was Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And over the next 500 years, each nation had 20 kings, and unfortunately, most of them were not faithful to God. Here's a list of kings and maps that we had uh, displayed uh, last night. Uh, 20 kings each, and really there was only a few kings that were good, uh, such as uh, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, and Josiah. There was a mix of some who were uh, good and bad, like uh, Jehu, Johash, Amehaziah, Azariah, and Jotham, and Really, the rest were bad kings. Um, 
If you read in 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 13, and 2 Kings 21, verse 9, um, you'll see there an example of how the bad kings led Israel. So that was um, in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 21, 13 is about the prophet or, um, Jehoram, and then 2 Kings Manasseh. And it talks of murdering brothers um, and there being uh, them prostituting themselves before uh, other religions, false religions. Um, they, they did more evil, it says, than the other nations. A while ago, or while a few of the kings honored God and his word, most refused and instead worshipped false gods instead. Because of this, they led the people further away from God. God didn't punish them immediately as this happened. He continued to pursue them because we have a God who pursues, a God who initiates. God sent prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel to remind them of God's truth and to warn them. Through them, through these prophets, um, God was reminding Israel of his character, of his holiness, his, just, his justice, his graciousness, his love, as well as his covenant that Israel were still his chosen people, his chosen nation, that they were wholly set apart. Uh, that's how they were to live. Um, and through this, God was pointing them again and again to repentance and faith saying that God is holy and we must be as holy as he is, admitting that our sin is against God and we're helplessly lost, rejecting our way and embracing God's way uh, to be holy and trusting in God's deliverer only. Um, this is what God's desire was in relationship with them. Sadly, Israel was regularly stubborn in their sinful ways and instead of listening and obeying, they ended up killing many of these true prophets. Instead of choosing to follow the, the true ones, they followed the false teachers and false prophets. Jeremiah 25, 8 and 9 and verse 11. Let's just go there. Jeremiah 25, 8, 9 and 11. <clears throat> so it says... Therefore, the Lord Almighty says this, Because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and everlasting ruin. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. What did God warn would happen to Judah? That God would summon Babylon, his servant Nebuchadnezzar, and will bring them against this land and its inhabitants, Israel, to destroy, ruin, turn it into a wasteland, and serve Babylon for 70 years. They would be in exile. Eventually, God allowed Israel to be conquered by Assyria, 2 Kings 17, 7-23, as well, Judah to be conquered by Babylon, 2 Kings chapter 24, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. And many of the people were carried away into, the, into exile to those countries. What a sad situation for God's people that had so much going for them. We'll continue the story in part two. Let's talk about the prophets for a few minutes. Um, From what you can remember, what was the main role or purpose of prophets? I'll help you out. Communicate on behalf of God, 
share a message from God. Recall from our first image in our chronological pictures on the banner, it's of a prophet, which represents the men of God who are inspired by God, carried along by the Holy Spirit, to write God's Word, to communicate. What was often the message? Repent, or judgment will come. Stop sinning. Look to God. Worship Him alone. They also, of course, communicated much more as well, but always pointing them back to God. God not only uses prophets to declare His Word to Israel, but also to the nations around them. If you can recall, or if you know the story of Jonah, the prophet who was swallowed by a big fish and then spit out three days later, God sent Jonah to the nation of Nineveh, a godless nation, to tell them to repent, and they did. So God uses prophets to declare His Word not only to Israel, but to the nations around them. And in the time of Israel, just like today, there were true prophets and false prophets. Unfortunately, true prophets were not always well received by the people. Many times they were killed. Strangely enough, the people often received the false prophets instead. Why? I guess false prophets, as they deceived and lied to the Israelites, they, they tickled the ears of, of the people. They were ultimately servants of Satan as they led them away from God. They spoke lies to the people. They told the people everything they would, be, would be fine, that God wouldn't punish them for their sins. Have a read of the chapter 13 in Ezekiel. It will outline this very well. Read Jeremiah 6, 13 and 14 now. Jeremiah 6, 13 and 14. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. I think we would all like that type of message. However, that isn't usually the type of message we need. We all need to hear from God and his, hear his truth and listen, for he knows what is best. From the very beginning, God has communicated with the people and nations. Think about it. Adam and Eve. He communicated directly with them in the Garden of Eden. Even after the fall, with Cain and Enoch, Noah and Abraham and others. Through Noah and the work of the Holy Spirit, he was a preacher of righteousness to, to a, a, a people who were godless, who were um, in rebellion. He spoke to Jacob in a dream with the ladder ascending and descending, angels on it and God at the top. Uh, God spoke as well, communicating to Pharaoh through his prophet through the prophet Moses and the plagues as well. Even at Babel, God knew he would send his word by prophets and men of God to write it down in this book, the Bible that we hold, so that it would speak to all cultures, even within all our languages today. And God guarded his word, inspiring people to translate it even into the languages of the world. And there's still work in this world to be done. There's still many languages that don't have the Bible in their language. We need to go. We need to be translators. We need to be senders. We need to be rope holders and we need those to encourage those who are interested to go, to go. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing even bone and marrow. Often it's difficult to know what's God's word, what is God's word, as we hear so many conflicting messages. Many of them even sound good. But I need you guys to always come back to the unchanging character of God as revealed in the Bible alone as our source of authority. Never will a message from God contradict the message, contradict the Bible. If somebody can't say where it's from and you can't verify it, don't believe it. It doesn't matter if they're a TV host, a radio person, if they're rich, poor, 
written a book, if it's not God's message and can't be verified in the Word 100% and, and isn't contradiction, uh, or yeah, you can confirm it's not a contradiction, um, you throw it out if it can't be verified. So in Deuteronomy 18, 17 to 22, um, here's a, a list of other ways to test all words of prophecy. Predictions from God come true 100% of the time. If not, it says in Deuteronomy 18, 17 to 22, they are to be put to death. As well, as well in Deuteronomy 13, 1 to 5, excuse me, all prophets that are from God will agree entirely with the rest of the word of God. If not, they were to be put to death. God's true prophets don't come for your money. They purely proclaim the unchanging word of God. God's works, God works through his word and his spirit to change lives. Not formulas or false teachings. Not magic handkerchiefs or giving so much money or what have you. As God sent his prophets to Israel and the surrounding nations, there were, there were also many false teachers and prophets. That's part of why Israel became such a mess. Do you think there's false teachers and prophets today? How do you know? How do you feel about testing someone's teaching? And what, are, what do you do with teaching you realize is false, even if it is appealing or coming from a popular teacher? Our second part of tonight, continuing to remember the hook, the deliverer will be God himself. Point two or part two, prophets give hope and point to God's deliverer. Another of God's main messages to Israel through his prophets was related to his deliverance and his coming deliverer. Remember when the first mention of the deliverer was? At the moment when Adam and Eve first sinned, God didn't even punish them yet, and he already had a promised plan of redemption. In Genesis 13:15, just so it's on our minds, God said, And I will put enmity between you, speaking to Satan, and the woman, and strike and between your offspring and hers. He, the offspring of the woman, will crush your head, and you, Satan, will strike his heel the offspring of the woman. Let's return to Israel and Judah. <clears throat> they are right now one of the biggest, in the darkest parts of history. Their countries have been destroyed. They are ruled by foreign pagan kings and most of them are slaves in land again. At this point, God uses his prophets to share words of encouragement and hope that their exile will have an end, as we read, 70 years. He wants them to turn, repent, and serve him. And more importantly for all of us, God revealed more information of who the deliverer will be. He does this through his prophets Isaiah, Zechariah, Hosea, Micah, and others. Why do you think God would give them new prophecies while they are in exile? I wonder if it was for hope, to give them hope, reminding them that he hadn't abandoned them and that he was still on the throne. And as you remember their cycles of rebellion, these promises of the deliverer gave them hope that God would set them free from their bondage and sin and to Satan. Israel didn't know the end of the story. We have the full revelation of God, the Bible. But here for the Israelites, these promises of the deliverer gave them hope. They were in the middle of this, pondering and wondering with each new revelation. And the whole time, for those who could still outwardly follow God's laws, they had to kill an endless number of substitute animals as a covering for their sin. Temporary. I imagine that those who believed and understood what God was promising felt like they couldn't wait until the Deliverer came to set them truly free. They needed this message of hope. 
we need this message of hope today. Thousands of years after that first promise to Adam and Eve, God reveals more through the prophet Isaiah about his promise to to Adam and, and Eve and what it would look like. Go to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What did God just reveal? Not only that the deliverer would be born of a woman, but God would also cause a virgin to give birth to the deliverer. And God mentioned back in Genesis 3.15, Eve is mentioned. He talks of the woman, the offspring of the woman, but Adam isn't mentioned. Why is this important that the deliverer would be born of a virgin? How is sin passed on? Through Adam. Romans 5.12 says that sin entered through one man. Death came to all men. So if the deliverer was born apart from a man, can you see how he wouldn't inherit the sin nature? And as you think of how possible it would be for a virgin to have a child, it just further shows how miraculous this would be, a working of God. In the stories we've already covered, God revealed more and more details of how the deliverer would come. For example, he'll descend from Abraham and then more specifically from King David. God did this so that we'd recognize the deliverer when he arrived. How good of him to do this. What else did God reveal about the liver coming through his promise to Abraham and then David? Genesis 18.18, let's go there. It says, Abraham will surely become a great nation, a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. So there'd be a line through him that all nations would be blessed. Let's go to 2 Samuel 7.12 and 16. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 16. It says, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. God will bless all families of earth and reign as king forever as he comes to be the deliverer. God loves all people. His salvation is offered to all people of all nations. Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, It is too small a thing for you to be for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth, to all peoples. So there's about 350 very specific prophecies of who the deliverer would be and what he would do. All these were given hundreds or thousands of years before he even came. And the odds of this being fulfilled, even a person fulfilling eight of them, would be like 10 to the to 17 zeros behind it. And, and honestly, as one of our... Uh, people pointed out yesterday, just the first one, being born of a virgin and a Jew, that right there stops everyone in their tracks. That won't happen for anybody else. It's an impossibility. 
So we do start a list of 23 prophecies. Um, I'll just go through the reference uh, and, and say the promise really quick. Um, please verify these. Genesis 3.15 covers a few of them. Um, we'll be born of a virgin. Heal will be bruised by Satan. We'll rescue us from Satan, our sin in the lake of fire. Um, Isaiah 7.14 and Isaiah 53 go with those. Genesis 12.3 will descend from Abraham. 2 Samuel 7, 12, and 16, as well as Isaiah 9, 7, will descend from David and be king forever. Micah 5, 2, will be born in Bethlehem. Hosea 11, 1, will be brought out of Egypt. Isaiah 11, 2, will be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 53, 4, and 5, will suffer for others. Psalm 41, 9, will be betrayed by a friend. <clears throat> Zechariah 11:12 will be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Psalms 27.12 will be accused by false witnesses. Isaiah 50 verse 6 will be beaten and spit upon. Isaiah 53.7 will be silent and when accused. Isaiah 53.3 will be rejected by Israel. Psalm 69.4 will be hated without a cause. Psalm 22.16 hands and feet will be pierced. Psalm 22.18 clothes will be gambled for. Isaiah 53.12 will die with the wicked. Psalm 22, 6 to 8 will be mocked and insulted. Isaiah 53, 9 will be buried with the rich. Psalm 16, 10 will rise from the dead. And Psalm 68, 18 will return to heaven. So these are just 23 of some 350 prophecies. These are all promises of who the deliverer will be that will help everyone to know who he is indeed. And this is God's graciousness to us in revealing the, the deliverer. I mean, you think of it, there's billions of people on earth. If God didn't tell us exactly who he was sending, then we might miss him. By knowing exactly who God's deliverer will be, it will save us from all those who want to deceive us. Um, important to, to avoid false teachers and prophets. God is also love and so desires to rescue his image bearers who begin as his enemies. God has pity on us as with the Israelites. We are helpless and trapped in sin and bondage. God wants us to see the hope we can have. What do you think about God speaking through his prophets about his deliverer hundreds of years before they were fulfilled? And what do you think when you hear the odds of God giving over 350 prophecies and all of them being fulfilled in one person, the deliverer? This would be impossible apart from God. And what do, you, what do all these promises do to your hearts? I hope it thrills you. I mean, God promised a deliverer and he's not forgotten. And he's going to make sure it happened. And he is purposely working out his plan through all of this. We rejected him. We sinned against him. We are deserving of God's wrath. Yet, God is going to great lengths for all nations. And that includes the likes of us. God is indeed gracious. Our final part for tonight. Only God can deliver a rescue. And that is why God will be the deliverer himself. The Deliverer will be him, God himself, holy and powerful enough to rescue us from Satan, sin, and the lake of fire. So Israel has had Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Judges, King David, and other kings, prophets, and none of the human leaders were able to keep the people faithful to God. They were not the Deliverer. The last prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi, reveals another hint about who the Deliverer will be, will be and how to recognize him. Go to Malachi chapter 3. Verse 1. It's the last book of the Old Testament just before Matthew. Malachi 
chapter 3, verse 1. It says here, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Now go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse um, 3. Yeah, Isaiah 40, verse 3. It says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Do you know who these are talking to? Are talking about? Both these verses pertain to John the Baptist. So God promised he'd send a messenger ahead of himself to prepare for his arrival. What are some of the distinctive characteristics of this messenger that we read in these verses? He would cry out a message from God that would begin in the desert. And who is sending this messenger? God himself. This messenger will prepare the way for who? God himself. Let us look at a couple promises of the deliverer to help clarify that it is God himself who will be the deliverer. Isaiah 17, or sorry, 714 Isaiah 7:14 Therefore the Lord will therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel which means God with us as well Isaiah 9 chapter 9 verse 6 For unto us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <clears throat> As you look at the other prophecies about the Deliverer, what comes to mind now that you know it will be God? These and many more questions will all be answered as we continue in God's Word as to how these will be fulfilled. Right now we're just marking the promises. Later we'll mark off the verses where we see they indeed became true. They happened. Just as God came to the rescue of Israel, he is also central to our rescue. Just think about it. God will deliver us. Amazing. Why is it important that the deliverer will be God himself? As you think about it, he alone is God and not a sinner born in Adam like me or you. He alone is holy without sin and able to be our perfect substitute to appease God's wrath and pay for our sin. He alone has the power to crush Satan and to set mankind free. Here's an illustration why we can't rescue ourselves in any shape or form. If we all stepped into quicksand, it's like our position in Adam. We're destined for death and separation uh, unless someone outside of the quicksand throws us a lifeline and pulls us out. This may sound like a crazy question, but why isn't someone in the quicksand able to help us? Because they too are stuck, slowly sinking in death like us. And we've, neither of us have anything to stand on. This is true for every man, woman, and child born in Adam. We're all sinking into our own death in sin and not able to rescue each other. We're all destined for the lake of fire because of our sin against God. This is true of all people, all races, all languages, all wealth, popularity, education, it doesn't matter. Our only hope for, is for God who is outside of Adam to come and save us and praise God that he is coming to set us free. 
Think about it. Why is it important for you to depend only on the deliverer God will provide and nothing else? How did it work out for Adam and Eve as they covered themselves with fig leaves? Or Cain as he decided to come to God his own way? Totally inadequate. God gave an appropriate covering for Adam and Eve, and God rejected Cain because he did not do what is right. He looked to come to God his own way. We need to look to God for the acceptable covering, for the full payment of sin. If we're to look anywhere else, we remain dead and separated from God. And as we look at God's track record of everything he said through all the stories we've covered in the Bible so far, he's 100% reliable. He's fulfilled everything he said so far, so why would that stop? God is going to step down to take the place of each of us to satisfy his own wrath and pay for our sin against him. As we look at that deliverer chart, those 23 promises we mentioned, we can see what it'll cost him for our sin and so much more. Did you think that God would intervene like that? No other religion does this for its followers. God's plan is so different than the other 4,000 plus religions in the world today in that he reaches out to us. He doesn't look to our actions. It's all about what he did, that he rescued us. He came down, he initiates, he pursues us. Will we stop our own striving and receive what he has so graciously offered us? The deliverer will be God himself, holy and powerful enough to rescue us from Satan's sin and the lake of fire. Nothing we can do to add or change or perfect. We can't perfect the substitute that only God's deliverer would be. In conclusion, as we realize that the deliverer will be God himself, We'll wrap up just by telling you that God brought Israel and Judah back to Israel after many years in captivity. They rebuilt Jerusalem and the temple and followed the Lord for a time. But it didn't take long before there were more cycles of following and rebelling and following and rebelling. This is how the Old Testament comes to an end. Now God didn't have prophets right now for 400 years after Malachi. There's a huge biblical silence. God hasn't given up on Israel or the rest of the people of the world. He's faithful to his promises and the deliverer is coming to rescue us and the deliverer will be God himself. So up until now, we've been feeling the full weight of sin, this this temporal uh, covering, a total bondage to Satan, God's wrath poured out as we looked at the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah and, and what an eternity in Lake of Fire could look like. Against our helpless situation, God gives us hope. Hope of a deliverer who would come to set us free for eternity. Do you believe that a deliverer will come to set you free? God himself has promised this, and he is always faithful and absolutely gracious all the while. His plans prevail despite evil. God will be the deliverer himself. Thanks for listening.